Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the In the Paint Show, presented by Ball is Life. Ronnie Flores here with my co-host, Ani Umana. Ani, how are you doing, man? Uh, are you okay? Back Ooh. from the Final Four, you got back in one piece, Not, you know, everything okay? Yeah, everything's good, man. Uh, yeah. uh, Wednesday, Thursday, basically till Sunday, I mean, I had a detox, you know, yeah. <laughs> from the drinking. <laughs> and everything, but uh, I'm back safe, you know. Yeah. Uh, we got the link up a little bit, so it was all good. For sure, yeah, that's the main thing. I'm, I'm glad you made it back home. I mean, it was a long weekend for a lot of people, and for some people, it's very long because, uh, you know, the Southwest and um, JetBlue and a few other airlines had, like, mass cancellations. I don't know if it was they mentioned it was weather-related. Then other people say, no, it's computer-related and, like, related to software and flights and I know a lot of people were stuck longer there in the Crescent City in New Orleans, longer than they wanted to be. But so hopefully everybody made it back by the time they listen to this. Uh, this is well, glad you made it back. I got to drive. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. You, you and Branch were able to drive. My guy Alan Branch just roll out whenever you want. But oh, yeah, yeah. a lot of people, a lot of people were, you know, they're longer than they want to. And they, again, it ain't cheap to spend it stay in a hotel that you didn't budget for another two or three days. Same thing happened with um, Geico Nationals or people who went down there to Florida. They had the same problem with some cancellations, and hopefully they all got home. Obviously, Montverde Academy won Geico for the second straight year. We'll talk a little bit about that and what that meant for the rankings, the high school rankings. But this is a very important episode, as I mentioned, because of what we found out and what we talked about and what people were talking about down in the Final Four. Why don't you tell me what people were mostly talking about in terms of coaches, you know, just the, the the landscape, and then we'll get into it. Yeah, I mean, you got you got a lot of movement. You know, obviously, Talvin yeah. Hester got the job at La Tech. So, uh, you know, Final Four, if people don't know, is you got a lot of young guys or guys that are trying to get jobs. Uh, yeah, sure. So, you know, like Talvin getting the job at La Tech, Rob Lanier getting the job at SMU, seeing what he's going to do. Um, you know, just uh, like, you know, Movement, Georgia, <laughs> Mike White, you know, guys just trying to figure out, hey, uh, Evansville, you, you know, this are opening there. Do I have a chance there? You know, uh, ECU, there's so much movement. There's so many guys that are, you know, really vouching for the same positions, which, you know, when you're there, you realize, like, how hard it is to get a Division One job. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, it's really hard. I mean, there's, there's you know, Let's say there's 30 people there going for that same job, and each of those 30 people have somebody vouching for them. You know, yeah, so you're not right. the only one getting someone to vouch for you. So it's just it's it's, it's a tough deal. Yeah, it's a tough deal. It's a exciting thing, I'm sure, for a lot of people. And then and obviously there's young coaches like conventions or or, or meets and greets and, and and like you said, it's tough to get that job, and it's also tough for high school players to get a D1 scholarship. Right. And that was another thing that we. Mm, uh, right. uh, ran through talking to coaches at socials and and just how how much this has changed so this this episode is going to focus on the transfer portal what it's brought to the recruiting landscape the the pros the cons and it's permeated all of college basketball the last two years especially the last 18 months you know since the lockdown with covid right. but man i mean if you look at the final four 
you look at a guy like Remy Martin, who played a big role in Kansas's win over North Carolina in Monday's championship game. Like he came from Arizona State from the transfer right. report. There's much more of that. There's many more guys like that. And it's it's going to happen again for the recruiting cycle of 222. And obviously for 222, 223, it's going to have a huge effect. So we're going to talk about that. We'll hopefully have a guest later on. It's been on the road recruiting trail that you've been, uh, you know, can give us some more insight. What his insight is, we'll give us our insight. But, yeah, let's just jump right into it because mm-hmm. we want to, you know, knock it out. And obviously everybody's seen uh, the Final Four. Obviously, with with Kansas winning the second title under Bill right. Self, that's even very kind of uh, fitting, or kind of like right. with all that's going on because of COVID and because this transfer portal. What happened in college basketball? Why did that happen? Because of the NCAA recruiting scandal, and in many regards, no. it's like a trickle down. So, what school was at the middle of that the most? You know, obviously uh, Kansas. You know, it's right. just, and they're they're being investigated. So you. You have all these these things that are backdrops to the actual game, and and you know we're not going to go over every detail of the game. The game was a, a good game, a drama filled game. I don't know how great it was played, you know, but it was a really good game. But let's uh, jump before we jump into the NCAA. Let's jump into the high school talk, uh, Ani. Uh, you know, what did you make of uh, of Montverde winning Geico? Oh uh, man, they just they're just so they've been so consistent even with yeah. the tough losses like against Duncanville. You know, you, Montverde has been one of the more consistent teams other than Sunrise who took that uh that loss um the prolific. Yeah. But I thought Montverde's been one of the most consistent teams in the country. Uh, yeah. they really, you know, use a lot of inside out yeah. scoring, Malik Renu, uh yeah. Dylan Mitchell, just all those guys just played the role and they played it really well. I thought that was the toughest I've seen Link here have to score, uh, especially yeah. defensively. Just I thought Montverde did a hell of a job. And in that tournament, I thought they uh, – it's funny, like, saying Montverde was peaking at the right time because they've been really good. But you yeah. can tell they tightened up on some things and yeah. uh, just some little things that allowed them to be such so good defensively and be able to hold – you know, take guys away from their strengths. Uh, yeah, I thought Montverde did a hell of a job. Yeah, yeah, no, they did do a really good job. Dariq Whitehead, Duke found uh, wing guard, wing forty. He, he um, you know, played really well down the stretch. He was named the tournament's most valuable player. I think he did pretty good in that McDonald's game as well. Obviously, we we both kind of checked that out in our in our travels a bit as well. Dylan Mitchell headed for uh, Texas at uh, you know. 13 points per game, 11.3 rebounds in the in the three games. He had 19 and eight in the win over uh, Compass Prep in the first round for Montverde. Uh, he had eight points, 13 rebounds in the semifinal, and then he he came up big in the final as well. You know, he he's really had a great tournament. He had I think 14. Let me see what he had in the yeah 17 and 12 in the final game. And like you mentioned, Malik Renault inside with that inside outside game. 14 and, and 12. And, you know, the game was in the balance. Game was pretty much in uh, anybody's game there. Dariq Whitehead didn't have a great shooting game, but he had a jump shot, a pull-up jump shot with 130 to go. Gave Montverde a 55-49 lead. And then K.J. Evans hit just this huge three-pointer from the wing with like 37 seconds left, and the game was over. Like yeah. you said, they, they executed. They've been there before. And then you want to get in the habit of, of – 
like, oh, well, this Mom Brady team's not as good as the one at 220, or this is not a good, like, they have to be judged by the merits of this team and these teams they win against. And I know Prolific didn't have Adam Bona and, and MJ Rice. So how just how surprised were you, Ani, that Sunrise went down in the first round? Again, we said it many weeks. This is an open turn. We talked about that with Steve Smith on the last episode, 123. It's kind of open. But I mean, still, <clears throat> them going down in the first round, what, what did you take of that? Yeah, I was actually surprised by that. Um, yeah. I know Prolific's play some pretty tough teams, but not having a Dembona and not having MJ Rice, I was thinking like, yeah, there's no way that, you know, I think Sunrise wins that by at least 15 points. But I mean, Trey White was really good. Uh, he was really good. Just They just played it collectively. Prolific was just doing a really good job. They took away uh, games like that are tough because when teams like Prolific are close to a team like Sunrise, when you're Sunrise, the pressure is like, we can't lose this game. You know, and I felt like those. I felt like the game got real tight on them, and yeah. prolific. They're just playing loose. They're like, hell, we ain't got nothing to lose. <laughs> nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. What did you think about uh, that game? I just think because the teams are talented, when you remove two guys like that, if if MJ Rice and Trey White, they they're not exactly similar. But if MJ mm-hmm. Rice made the McDonald's game, I can't sit here and say Trey White didn't want to be a McDonald's All-American when he was a young man and in, in growing up in Texas or living in you If you would have said, Ani, he may be a McDonald's All-American in three years, that wouldn't have been uh, out of the question. So right. when a guy like MJ Rice is out of the lineup, he's going to want to take advantage because there's not much difference in the talent level. So now you have another guy that has like more space. Now it's, hey, you got to do something. And he did it like – so that's what it seems sometimes with these higher-level independent teams, there's a guy ready to step in or step up who's been probably waiting the whole season or like, hey, yo, I'm just as nice. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Thinking inside, like, so it's very competitive. So that gives a competitive edge to a team, like you said, that has nothing to lose. And, and Trey White is really good. You know, he's a really good player. And, and he came up good in, in that game and in this tournament. So, you know, it, it still came down a, uh, toward the end there. It was a it was a close game, and then, you know, uh, two twenty four Zion Stensley again another player who hasn't played very much yep. steps up hits that three pointer and they they go on to win fifty nine fifty six that was pretty surprising I, I can't say I thought they were gonna shoot like that but they did really well, you know and and it was a good tournament like you said it was wide open and then obviously after Monverde wins the tournament you know obviously the new rankings come out and we'll talk about that in a minute but yeah. who were the three on who are the three most impressive players you saw just from the eight teams obviously we you know we could we can give a quick rundown of of what happened but and, and we did link defeated oak hill in the first round 81 67 then they beat prolific after prolific shock number one then number one sunrise of course, Monverde, like I said, beat Arizona Compass. Then they beat IMG to avenge their two losses to IMG in the regular season. So which three players, Ani, do you thought played really well? Uh, Dylan Mitchell. We talked about him earlier. I just thought just how active he was on the glasses, athleticism. I mean, arguably, he's like the most athletic player in that class. Uh, yeah. And he just, you know, and his, his games form coming, coming up. I mean, what, he averaged 13-11, you said? Yeah, you know, I, I thought he, I thought he was really good. I thought, I yeah. thought he was fantastic. He was probably, arguably, one of, uh, he's no brainer for me, a top three guy, performance wise. 
yeah, uh, sure. from that tournament. Jordan Walsh was fantastic too. I know yeah. the championship game kind of struggled some, but he's yeah. such a gamer. Uh, you know, people talk about you know Jordan, sometimes Jordan, like in practice, they'd be like, man, they'd be one a little bit more sometimes. Sure. You know, and that, I know Jordan. Jordan just you know he'd just be like, man, I'm ready for the games. Yeah, <laughs> and, guy, yeah, yeah, and he when he plays them games, he gets after it. So uh, Jordan, you know, just. Defensive yeah. capability, switchable, switchable defender, great in transition, uses his length. Um, you know, I thought Jordan was fantastic. And I would say the third one, just and I guess I'm a homer because, you know, Trey White was a, te- was a Texas kid. Well, Oklahoma, yeah. then to Texas. Okay. But Trey White, I just loved how he played uh, that yeah. first game, how he came with it. Just the upset alone, like, yeah. against Sunrise, I mean, I thought, he, I thought he was fantastic. So those are my three that just really stood out to me. Yeah, and obviously Sunrise had to, uh, you know, uh, you know, like you said, the, the 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 pressure. They're number one. They're not a slam dunk number one, but they're number one regardless. And if they would have, if they would have uh, won the tournament, you know, they would rename rename number one. And as, let's talk about any player that you thought helped himself the most. What was there? Was it Zion Zinsley, or was there anybody you just thought like? This guy's really hopping himself because he's getting some TV time and he's playing well. Yeah, I thought Zion for sure, just a kid that's minutes were just kind of up and down, especially uh, throughout the season were prolific. And then just kind of coming to form uh, and then making big shots and, you know, just kind of showing his uh, just his uh, versatility on the offensive end. I thought uh, Zion really helped himself out and putting himself in the map uh, just for because he's a 2024, correct? Correct. And I thought, and I know early on, just kind of, they were like, okay, we're going to ease him in. We're going to see, you know, it's really not about this year. It's more about next year. And so you got to see that though. Like you got to see that next year is supposed to be his team, his year. Correct. And like I said, that's what I said. When you got talented guys, they're going to want to step up. And obviously that was a a big win. Obviously we, you know, Oak Hill didn't play as well as they wanted to. They kind of got off to a slow, slow start. So then they, they, you know, they battled back a little bit, but they lost. So Steve Smith, uh, appreciate him coming on last week on 123, and he's been on before. What a great career he had. Yeah, it's tough. And and we we put some on the .com, ballsite.com, we put some numbers of stuff he went through. So go check that out when you get a chance. We recapped the, the uh, Geico on, on our .com as well and the new Fab 50. So a lot of interesting numbers with Steve Smith, just raw numbers of yeah. his career. and. As 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 we talk about that, let's let's talk about what happened with the rankings. Obviously, so the one thing that Monverde winning really did was make Duncanville look good, who hasn't played in you know, three to four weeks. <laughs> right. But, you know they beat them 67-66 in a game when I was at a game the country saw. Uh, Demi's hit the three pointer basically at the buzzer, gave them that win, and that was kind of uh, propelled them to a great season. But you know you can't just mention that game i mean like they had beaten a few ranked teams before that they right beaten sierra canyon when they were ranked high who's still ranked they beat centennial which handed them their only loss by five points and they beat mckinney in the title game when, when mckinney was run after mckinney beat richardson so in all they beat seven teams in the fab 50 so um maybe if if Monverde had one or two losses they might have been like a compelling reason to put them number one Right. Well, if there was an opponent considered a, a great team, like if there was another great team they like considered they beat, let's say they like Sunrise was undefeated and they beat them in the final, 
that may have been like, hey, maybe Mount Verde does deserve, but I, I don't think there's much question that Duncanville deserved to go up to number one. I mean, what do you take of them losing to Richardson? Again, that's an overtime loss, two points. You know, they they, they were number one. Richardson climbed back up. Most people thought they would play again. Then then Richardson gets knocked off, but they beat the team that beat Richardson handily. So what do you take of that whole mix and 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 then Duncanville going to number one? Uh, that game, I mean, now you look at it in hindsight, uh, Anthony Black playing in the fourth quarter and all, I don't want to say yeah. the theatrics, but, you know, yeah. just everything that was going on, you yeah. uh, you you kind of look at it and say, like, okay, what if A.B. played the whole whole game? Um, and I think you get a different outcome for sure. Uh, Duncanville, yeah. I think, especially with Monverde uh, winning it, I agree yeah. with you, like, Duncanville's number one. If yeah. Monverde, I would say this. If Montverde had one loss in the season, or let's say two losses, who would have been number one? Yeah, see, I would have had to go like and really study who <laughs> who does like did they deserve to jump in front of the team they lost to now again because my, mm-hmm. in my rankings, Duncanville never fell behind Montverde because I said this is a strong team. It's evident that and it's evident watching Geico that Duncanville could play in that tournament and potentially right. win it, like right. or be in the final. There's no doubt. Like, if I would have looked at that tournament and been like, yo, Duncanville can't play these teams or Richardson can't play these teams or Centennial can't play these teams, then I would have decided that. But if 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 Montverde had one loss and avenged it, they, they might have been number one. It probably could have been number one. Again, I don't want to go into the habit or look and, and, and compare this Montverde team to past Montverde teams, even right. last year. Like, they deserve to be judged on their own accolades for what they did this year. And in – for what they did this year, they lost to IMD twice. They avenged that, so they beat him one of three, and they split with Sunrise. Now the split with Sunrise seemed really good, yeah. Before the tournament, now like <laughs> splitting with Sunrise, oh, Sunrise was the first round of prolific. Like I think it just made all sense for Duncanville, just the way the chips fell for Duncanville to go to number one. Right. And again, you got to give him credit. Again, give credit to Montverde for scheduling that game. Montverde doesn't really necessarily have to play Duncanville. You know, they could still have a strong schedule without Duncanville, but Duncanville give them credit, Coach PV and his staff, for scheduling that game and scheduling other tough games, right? So right. it worked all in, in, in together. So the, I think it's a, a solid choice to have Duncanville number one. You know, it, it, it it's the way it worked out. It's just the way the games fell. Uh, you know, they know how I, – I just give credit to Duncanville. They won despite a lot of distractions, like you said, with the A-B – situation off the court they obviously won some close games great defensive team um you know how impressed were you with this team despite some of the injuries and the off the court issue with with anthony black like just changing lineups they obviously were missing a guard against montverde mm-hmm. and they're on their tide they feel like they were they have a, a better team now as well but uh, right. Duncanville was missing a guy as well so what do you what do you think uh, you know, and around here, I think people are trying to see when it was all going to fall apart, right? Like, it's just sure. uh, they're so talented, sure. but is this going to come to fruition? And at times, it didn't look like it would. Honestly, yeah. just my opinion. At times, you're like, oh, I don't, I don't know if this is going to work yeah. out. Uh, he may be out. You know, CJ Four was out the whole season, basically. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it really speaks to that team. Really spoke to speaks to PV and that staff, yeah. And just those players, the mature enough just to stay together. Um, Correct. Just within everything, you know, around here, I felt like people were, 
you had half that was rooting for Duncanville, and there was half that was were really trying to see him fall. And uh, but you know, with all that going on, at what at what schools do you really see that work out? <laughs> you know, generally, you know, you see less, and it falls apart. So for all that to be going on, and you know, for them to come together, and then you know, win the state title, and you know, end up being number one team in the country, and be Monverde, and I mean, that's impressive. Really, just speaks to just kind of like those kids, the staff, PV. You know, yeah. Like, sure. like we saw what happened to Sierra Canyon. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not always. And, and, and to Sierra Canyon's credit, they put it together in other seasons, but this season they couldn't. Right. They were just never gelled. They never got it together. So, shout out to those guys. Uh, I wanted to kind of mention, you know, that oh, you know, Geico NIBC teams are going to win Geico all the time. Geico's going to dominate, always be number one. That's not always the case, right? It's happened more than once. I want to give a shout out to the public schools recently that have won the <clears throat> titles and talk a little bit about that. Duncanville's going to finish number one after state champions invitation. Nobody from the state average champions invitational is going to leapfrog above those teams as, as we talked about. And we know that. And I think our listeners know that. We go back to Chino Hills, 216. That's a public school. They got three guys in the NBA. They may have four guys in the NBA one day. Uh, you know, national champs, right? 50 national champs. Go back to Yates. Coach Greg Wise, 2010, national champs. You know, I wanted to kind of shout out the Texas national champs because Duncanville's going to finish Fat 50 number one. Then you got the uh, Sugarland Willow Ridge team with Ewing and TJ Ford that finished number yeah. two behind Oak Hill. You know, Oak Hill had a really good team. We talked about the team that beat LeBron, and Coach Smith talked about that in last week's episode. So that kind of set up. Dallas Lincoln to win the championship the next year. Like, okay, these Texas teams are good. So I wanted to shout out that, you know, Ford and Ewing team that kind of propelled Chris Boss's Dallas Lincoln team to, you know, finish number one after Oak Hill lost with Carmelo. They lost one game, and that's how Lincoln was able to finish number one. Then you go back further, you have Cashmere, who won a title in 1975, Houston Cashmere. And then uh, Wheatley has some powerful teams in 73 and 71. 70 and 73. Hmm. Obviously, Dwight Jones. They had Batman. They had a guy named Bat flying all over the place. <laughs> they were an awesome team. Our guy Jimmy Hicks would love to talk about those guys all, all the time. <laughs> you know, but the 1973 team was good as well. They had a, an All-American who went on to UNLV. And, and they also had the great uh, – he was a great defensive player off the bench, I guess, was a great Raiders DB. Um, and his, his, his name kind of the stickum guy, his name kind of speaks my mind right now. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame DB, but like you can imagine how good of, how good of a defender on the <laughs> he was, Lester Hayes, well, obviously, oh, wow. it's Lester Hayes from Wheatley High School, you know. So, shout out to all the champs from Texas over the years. There's, there's a little bit more than you think, but obviously, wanted to give this credit and talk about that. So, Duncanville, number one. Uh, Montverde Academy number two. Sunrise can't really fall behind Link because as we that game we watched, we saw Sunrise beat Link. So I, right. even though Link made it to the final, Link stays four behind Sunrise because they're head to head. I thought about moving Centennial Corona up a little bit. They only lost to Duncanville, but I, I think Link deserves to stay number four because they For went sure. to the final. Yeah, right. Link, you know, was right in the game against Montverde, so they stay four. IMG stays number six. Calvary's up to seven. Again, we'll talk about that real quick before we switch gears. Calvary up to seven. Oak Hill stays eight. Can't drop Oak Hill anymore because they beat Roselle Catholic. Roselle's nine. 
Weddington is undefeated. Again, we don't know exactly how great Weddington is, but they're a North Carolina team. They're undefeated, 31-0. They're 10, and that, that could change. <laughs> we'll see what happens with the state champs invitational. You can watch that beginning on Thursday and just kind of want to run that down for our fans out there that like to watch as much high school. It's at Berkeley Prep in Tampa. Calvary Christian versus Sidwell Friends, number 14. That's a big game on Thursday. I think that's at uh, 3 and 5 or 4 and 6 Eastern. Yeah, mid Midday on ESPNU then. Uh, Auburn and Norcross. So just check your, your ESPN <clears throat> list, but it's on the 7th and the mid-afternoon, you know, depending on which coast you are. And you can see more high, at least three more games of high school basketball, you know. Right, so, right. You know, we, we've talked about that before. Let's Let's switch gears and talk about the national championship and what, what we're going to focus on. And like mm -hmm. we said, you know, you when, when if David McCormick, who went to Oak Hill and it's Kansas big man and Jalen Wilson, give you 30 points on it. I think you're in a good spot. And if RJ Davis is five for 17 and Caleb love five for 24, one for 13 from the three. And you're still in the game. You got to give UNC credit for still being in the game. But I mean, if you, if I told you those stats, what would you think the difference in the margin of victory. Would I would say Kansas wins by at least 20. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, that was just a, oh, again, we say basketball is a game of runs, but I think it was even more than that. It was just like, what did you think about Kansas getting hit in the mouth? They look bewildered. Then North Carolina looked bewildered in the second half. They just, yeah, they North Carolina just physically. Yeah. North Carolina was just so much physical, more physical yeah. than them. And just, it's just in the pain, Baycott, Manning was playing. I mean, Manning was at like a damn like rim protector in the tournament. Uh, yeah, yeah. But just just how hard they were playing, just how physical they were. Or Like you said, Love was struggling, but he was still getting to the basket. RJ yeah. Davis, you know, Baycott's like getting second, third chance opportunities. Manning doing his part. Uh, man, I just punched him in the mouth. Like, Kansas yeah. just looked stunned. Like, they're like, whoa. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they bewildered. Like, they, they took an eight count, standing eight count. Right. But the second half was so different. I mean, Kansas pushed the, uh, pushed the pace a lot after yeah. Megs misses. They pushed the pace a lot and they really got to the basket. They matched their physicality. Like I said, McCormick was just huge, you know, inside. Yeah. Like, he was, he won the inside battle. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, he kind of uh, sealed the game with two. Inside shots, you know, uh, turnaround over, I think it was Mitch Lightfoot or uh -huh. Matic. It was, yeah, it was, and then he scored again. And you think, well, maybe they're double, they should have doubled him or got fouled him immediately before he, he took a shot, see if he can make the free throws. There's a million things you can say, and obviously you want to play defense, but yeah, those guys really came up big. I think they each scored 15 points. Uh, you know, on I got to ask you about this. Like, Puff Johnson gets in there. Second, if he scores seven straight points, he looks like he could be the like the hero, and then he just he 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 panicked or he he ran out of gas, he fell crumpled to the floor, he <laughs> he vomited, and then it's like he was just now he's out of it. Now North Carolina looked out of it, right? We said Kansas looked out of it in the first half. North Carolina was was kind of falling apart physically. I just don't know what happened to Pup there. Did you? Catching the inside, did you talk? Yeah, to I, I think so. I think I hit in the stomach. Uh, okay, he got hit in the stomach. And, then, and that's what happened. But he he hasn't been playing those minutes. Yeah. And so, I mean, once he got hit in the stomach, he was just done. I was actually surprised when he was scoring the way he was that they didn't yeah. keep going to him. Like, yeah. I would have just went to him and, like, I'm like, shit, yeah. like, you know, 
you're getting way more than what you could have ever expected from him. Uh, yeah, for sure. But like, yeah, I think he got hit in the stomach. I heard the outside he got hit in the stomach and he was just done. And then Baycott, Baycott hurting, uh, get uh, rolling that ankle again. Uh, like you said, UNC, I think physically just, you know, I think they kind of just got they depleted. And, you know, like yeah. with Puff and, and with Baycott. And I thought some of those other guys were tired. I think I thought Love was kind of tired. He started missing a lot of shots he normally makes. Uh, I, yeah, thought, I think that ankle roll, again, another injury. Like yeah. he rolled his ankle with nobody touching him. And I know Baycott had some problems. He had some problems in the semifinal. He was really banged up. So shout out to Armando. He really gave it his all. But, he, like, his body was falling apart. He, I don't think he could have really made a big impact in one more game. Like, right. if, you know, if the tournament was seven games, like, he wouldn't have been able to, like. Nah, nah. <laughs> like, that was it for him. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, it, it, it just a lot happened there. And, and it seemed like, you know, Puff Johnson tied the, like you said, he tied the game on a three. You know, 57-57, and he got a charge. You know, he yeah. forced a charge. And then Remy Martin hit that big three. And obviously, that's one of the guys we want to talk about because he played really well. I think he hit five of eight threes. Uh, you know, uh, you know, and but North Carolina still took a lead 69-65. Uh Manic put back with 141 to go. 69-68. They 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 went up and six seconds on the shot clock. And Baycott made a move and he crumbled. It, you know, that was when it was 70, 69, 60. They could have went up three. And then McCormick makes that inside move to make it 70 to 69, then 72, 69 on his next basket. And then, you know, they actually got the ball back to try to tie one more time. Yeah. And the step out of bounds, and everybody's just like, what is going on here? And and they didn't really get a good shot. You know, they just again, they just couldn't get a, a good look and and then another thing manic slips and falls on the design place so it's just like unc couldn't catch a break physically right no they really couldn't uh, talk i want to get your thoughts on this remy martin i know in the uh yeah. arizona state went to kansas uh in the beginning they were talking about how wild you know i guess the shots less you know he was kind of forcing things early uh you know, I don't know how much really just kind of fall, but like he really stepped up late. Is that always kind of been the player he's been? Like, yeah, he's always he's been like a, a moment. Famine. Yeah, he's a little bit of a feast or famine guy. You know, mm-hmm. like you get a lot. You know, you may lose. You may you may want to like wring his neck and pull him out of the game, but then you're like, yes. Sometimes you're like, yeah, we're glad Ramy's in there. You know, he's been yeah. like that. Like he plays really well in spurts. Like you said, he had a little reputation for maybe being a little out of control at times. And again, we talk about this portal. It seems like Remy Martin was in high school a long time ago. Like, right, it <laughs> <laughs> really did. It does. Like, he a, yeah, you know, like, is he a twenty twelve kid? Hell, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a sophomore. They won a state title in two fifteen Sierra Canyon. Now mm-hmm. that was before Bagley came. They, you know, it was Cody Riley, Remy, Ira Lee, who went on to uh, Arizona. I think he went. Did he go on to Vanderbilt or T? I, I forgot what school. Yeah, I, I Ira moved on to. You know, but it just seems so long ago. Again, it's a few years before COVID, so which seems like years ago, you know? I mean, like years and years ago. It's obviously is years ago, but it, it just seems so long. So, yeah, that's the, the mix you get, and they needed them. So it's right. it's a it's a play-and-plug situation for a lot of schools, and we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. We want to talk about, you know, Kansas winning the fourth title, Bill South is second, 
you know, Coach K, boy, North Carolina, I know they lost this game, but they got to feel good by beating, winning that semifinal game. I mean, what did you think? Are they they got to be like, yeah, we, we knocked them out, you know? Twice. I mean, you got to think about it. They beat them twice. They beat them in his last yeah. home game at Duke, and they beat them in the Final Four. Like, yeah. take away you didn't win a national championship, which, yeah. look, you are a seed. Yeah. I, I'm not saying they thought they were going to win the national title, but, you know, you weren't supposed to really be there. So right. the fact that you got to the championship, you beat Duke twice, you know, you, yeah. I mean, you kind of yeah. – I mean, there was – honestly – what more can you ask? I mean, won a national championship at Duke. I mean, at North Carolina, but I beat Coach K, uh, Duke in Coach K's last home game, and I beat him in the Final Four. I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, you can't really ask for much more than Hubert Davis did in his first go round. Obviously, he replaced Roy Williams, and Bill Self replaced Roy Williams. Right. Very interesting take there. You know, obviously, um, Villanova didn't have much. You know, they you didn't have much for Kansas because of the injuries, and 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 that gives a shows you how tough Carolina played. I have my notes because I was watching a game, but when Love rolled his ankle, that was 46 41, and after it was 40 to 25, it had to. I just think he was never the same after he rolled his ankle. There was supposed to this was gone. He kind of got it back a little bit, but he they missed a lot of layups, they missed a lot, of, and I think the ankle played a part. They didn't really, I, I know it did because it. You could see how how much it rolled, and he yeah. he, just, he toughed it out. He's like, "Hey, don't take me out of the game," and that's the thing. If you roll an ankle and you're not gonna be injured and leave the game, stay in the game, walk it off. Don't. I I see with Baycott. I thought like I didn't know what the hell. What was North Carolina's trainers doing at the end of the game against Duke when he got hurt? He went <laughs> right. the then he got up, then he went to the back, and then he came. He walked back. I was like. Is he? And then he went back in the game. Right? Did he like it? Because I thought they're going to take him to a table and check it out. It's literally he. Did he walk back there and he say, "Screw it, I'm just going to walk." Like I don't think he sat on any table. He didn't give him no 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 medical attention. It seemed like really they just kind of are you okay? You didn't have time to do that. Just so love did it right. Screw that. He, I saw him look at the bench. He goes, "Screw that. Don't tell. You, I'm just going to walk and tough it out." Because again. Once you sit down, once it times, once you think about it, it's gonna hurt more. Right. Then the trainer comes over. That ain't gonna make you feel any better. You're gonna be like, God dang, you know. So. Right. Yeah. That, that's a very interesting situation, and and you know, like as we said, it, it was a great weekend for college basketball as it comes to a, to close. Um, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about what we wanted to to mention is you know this transfer portal, how much yeah. it affected the whole tournament. The teams with McCormick is again he didn't he, he was at Kansas but he's an older player. Randy, right. as we talked about, it's an older player. Manic's a a transfer. You know, it, it, all throughout this tournament, you look back like the talented quote unquote talented teams that are young got knocked out and and the older teams won. So if you're a college coach down there in 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 New Orleans, I mean, what do you think? You're like, I don't, I don't want these younger guys. I want a team that's built like Kansas or or North Carolina. Right. I mean, those are those are coach that told me, you know, high school guys are going to lose me games. You know, I can't win with high school guys. Okay. And then you look at the NCAA term, you just look at those teams like. Yeah. Well, I was the teams that didn't win, like New Mexico State, they're older. <laughs> you know, they got their best players. Like these guys' best players are 23, 24 years old, 22. Yeah. Um, and that's just what it is. Like that's why the portal just is so much 
you know, I just over there, like obviously I talked about division one coaches trying to get jobs, but it's also like I said, the recruiting. I mean, these yeah. guys are say, Hey, Arnie, what do you know about the portal? Or who 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 you got that you know may be transferring? And I'd be like, sheesh, right. like <laughs> you know, and it almost put it in perspective, especially with the guests we got coming on, it's like we still cover the high school players, and I know you got asked the same questions, but it's like you have to put more focus because we run a scouting service. I mean, all coaches yeah. do pay us. Like you have to put a more time into the portal now and right. seeing what's going on. Like it's just the the the, the landscape has changed. You know, yeah, these guys true. don't they don't think high school kids can help them win. Correct. You and know. again, unless you're an elite top 25, 50 guy, that's not going to change too much for them. Right. Like, you're right. They 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 don't they want to win games with guys that are experienced college players. One college coach told me that Ronnie, we know what we're getting from a college player. Now they they want to know a little bit more, and this is where you'll come in, our guests, me, other scouts around the country. They want to know more about the player's background, what he's like, because right. they're gonna get his stats. It ain't going to be like high school stats or some mm-hmm. tournament stats that some girl who's 15 years old is taking as a, she's making, you know, $10 a game. Like you're going to get synergy stats, real information on these players of how they play. So the how they play is not the problem. They want to know more about what was he like at the other school? What was he like in high school, Ronnie? Ronnie, what was he like in high school? You know, they're going to do their homework, but they want more information. Correct. They don't want information on a 16U <laughs> game no more or some young player. It doesn't even matter. So, again, if you're a young player out there, you know, be realistic about where you're playing. If you're playing 15 or 16, don't expect a lot of coaches to see you or any at all if you're 15. Right. Right. They're going to be watching your game. So make solid choices. Play good. You don't have to press for a coach or, oh, I, you know, I got to get on this team, this loaded 15U team because I'm going to be playing in front of coaches. No, you're not. Maybe one might trickle over just to take a peek, but they got to tra- – they got to – Focus on what, like you said, their jobs and livelihoods are on the lines. They got to focus on what's going to help them. Right. I think also uh, I got a lot of work from coaches at, a, at, a, at one of the socials I went to. Like, we're going to keep a guy back, maybe two. This first live period, which is April 8th through 10th. Ani, did you did you hear any staff saying that as well? Like, yo, we're going to keep a guy back because we have official visits. We have guys visiting yeah. on the portal. So. That's a huge difference than a few years ago. Obviously, we're going to have our first April live period in two years coming up as you listen to this pod. Later in the week, people are going to mm-hmm. be in uh, Vegas. They're going to be in L.A. They're going to be uh, various stops. And, you know, everybody's staff of four is not going to be out. Right. Uh, they're going to be home, and they're going to be evaluating <clears throat> players, and they're going to, those players are going to be able to run – get a little bit of time with their the players they have coming back. Right. So everybody's got to figure out who's coming, who's going. And like you said, it's completely changed the landscape. What, what would you say about that, uh, you know, to, to kids that are that on the dead period events that you've seen so far? Obviously, people are going to change teams here in April a little bit. Right. <laughs> what, do you, what have you seen so far? And what would be your advice, uh, Ani, about, like, just finding the right team, trying to stick with it, develop? The development curve is – for colleges is only like one or two years now. They're not gonna, they're not worried about keeping a guy for four years. Oh, we're gonna have right. him for four years. So that affects the development curve of travel ball and and, and recruiting. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think I haven't seen as much movement as far as like guys on summer teams. 
okay. uh, that I have in the past. Obviously, April live periods, but it's a really more of a telling. The past few years, we haven't had an April live period, really. So, you know, this will be <clears throat> different. Uh, but my advice really just for them is like, you need to go somewhere where you're going to play, you're going to develop and get better. Yeah. Um, especially for these young guys, like don't get caught up so much on these rankings and Correct. get caught up on like, okay, you know, maybe if I get with this team, they can, they know this coach and this coach will come in and offer my son, which will help with whatever. Yeah. I kind of call that you're trying to trick the game. Yeah. Uh, and you, you can trick it only for so long. So the reality is either you're good enough or you're not. Yeah. Um, but I just think development is so key. Like you said, like these guys want older guys. So you have to be that much better as a high school player. So being, being situations where you're going to be that much better, yeah. uh, where you can be that much better. Right. Uh, even like these unsigned seniors, like I'm helping the unsigned senior team, um, out. And, uh, one of the main things like I've had to tell them, I was like, man, what do you think about junior college? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and I, I said, look, I get it. Your goal is division one. That could happen at April. You know, it could possibly, you know, you really perform the right coaches there that need somebody that may be looking for a high school kid or two and your son performs is there. Right. But I even told them, look, like even if a division one comes in, if you're a 22, like you have to understand, you may be the kid that they got because they didn't get what they wanted. Sure. You know, so you may want to just need to go junior college, go, do there, be there for another year or two, then transfer, right? Because now you're more peace. Now you're 20 years old, going on 21. Like you know, yeah. Uh, but you're more seasoned player, yeah. Right, and I, I think that just these these guys need high school guys need to worry more about development and yeah. being in situations where it's good quality coach. You play solid, saw the good events. There's a lot of events. Hell, you. I mean, there was one weekend you talked about. There was four events <laughs> in Southern yeah. California. Like the events are not the problem. Finding the location is not the problem. It's being at the right location where there could be some coaches, you know, communicating right. with anybody who's been contacting you. Hey, I'm going to play on this team. I'm going to be here. You know, com right. good communication is vital. A, high school, a college coach ain't got time for a kid who's not communicating clearly. Right. You know, like, no way. You know, not right now. That's it's it's. So you're you're right about that. I think your point about development is is is, is spot on. You got to get better where you know again get some advice for some people from your you know, the high school side your travel ball side uh, other people that have your vested interest and and be realistic like you said this this marriage of unrealistic goals for high school players and colleges saying we need college players because we need to win with college players. That's the mantra. We need, unless you're a McDonald's All American type, we need to win with college players. That's how we're going right. to win. That's what we're going to put our livelihood on. That marriage or that that thing's going to collide this this spring and summer, Ani. Parent parents are key. I don't know how many parents have told me, well, we're going to wait for something a little a little bit better. We're going to see what's out there. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> if you're not a top two hundred guy and a solid scholarship offer comes, it's a legitimate one and. Like you should really take it if it's really out there, you know. It's, right. Even for two twenty three, I would advise that. Maybe it'll get back a little normal to two twenty four when these COVID players are finally done with their. <laughs> like, maybe Remy and Cody Riley are gonna like have another season of eligibility. Like it's just crazy how many guys, how many older players there are in college. Like the average um, twenty, the average seventeen or eighteen year old kid is not beating a twenty three year old transfer portal guy in a college practice. Like. I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about that more with the, our guest, Brandon Jenkins of 
247 Sports National Recruiting Analyst. We're going to bring him on now to kind of talk about what we've just been talking about. Uh, Brandon, are you there? Can you hear us? Yeah, let me get this ca camera centered. There we go. Oh, yeah, Jenkins. Oh, I'm trying to match it. Got you, Brandon. Appreciate you jumping on. Ooh, there yeah, there you go. A little bit that there way. There you go. <laughs> Dang. Been one of them appreciate, days. Appreciate you jumping on, Brandon. Thank you for joining our podcast. Uh, you know, we want to talk a little bit about the changing landscape of, of college recruiting was it relates to high school players and the and 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 the portal obviously being a, a big factor for colleges. So just want to jump right in it and and want to kind of get your take because at the NCAA Final Four, me and Ani were there. The the top scene is centered around the portal and what to make of it. You know, what's your hot take on that and how much it's changed in the last 18 months? Uh with the portal's effect on recruiting? Yes. Uh I would say I mean, honestly, kids just don't have the opportunity to wait for the Division One scholarships that they that they think that they can get. Um, you know, I think we've done a great job as a, you know, as a media community, like of informing these kids just to let them know that, you know, the opportunities that were out there probably in the 2015, 2016 aren't there in the 2022. Um, but it's just on them to listen, to be honest. Um, you know, sure. a lot of kids, you see a lot of kids big time in schools. And like at the end of the day, it might be the prime opportunity for you to get your school paid for. And that's what it's all about. Um so it kind of goes back to what you said. I mean, the I look at it at, at the same way as an academic perspective. When you transfer from schools, the first thing that, you know, admissions is going to look at is your grades. Um, when, yeah. you see, when you see this transfer portal, they see dudes at the low major level that are proven with production. Um, yeah. And, you know, when you're when you're taking a kid from high school, you don't know what you're getting out of that. They right. look at you as a project. So um, that's how kids need to look at it. They're more ready. They're better than you, more physical than yeah. you, more skilled than you. They know the speed of the game. They've sure. been through it. You haven't. Um, and they're going to lean in that direction. So any opportunity that you get, you need to look at it as a blessing. You may take advantage of it. Yeah. I don't know. 100%. Um, you know, you at 24-7, you cover a lot. You're in the Midwest. You're in Wisconsin, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, just talk about, like, <clears throat> you know, I seen you put out some stuff about some kids transferring. Has has there been a change in kind of how you had to cover uh, basketball and just recruiting now more geared towards the transfer portal, or is there more of a balance? Uh, no, it's been a big change. I think one thing that we realized as a company um, is how much how much buzz the transfer portal generates. Um, our views go up, um, our amount of subscribers go up because they want to know who's joining their team at the end of the day, and they want they want the scoop at the end of the day. It's just more opportunities for scoop. Um, you see a lot of these transfers racking up the calls from colleges, and we need to be on top of that um, because they want to know what level of caliber kid that they're getting. They want to see who they're getting recruited by to see if their team wins out, like what type of kid are we getting? Um, so it just all generates a lot of buzz because at the end of the day, um, whether it's, it's the transfer portal or whether it's a five-star prospect recruiting is recruiting, and it generates a lot yeah. of buzz. Right. Correct. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So so now I'm going to ask this question. Will y'all, will 24-7 ever do, because obviously you have a recruiting class with the high school guys, a ranking. Will y'all have like a transfer portal recruiting class ranking? I feel like it would be something that's in the works. I do not know for sure. Um, but, you know, we're definitely gearing it in that direction. We currently added a star system to our transfer um, okay. database. So we're just working on that. We're taking it stride by stride. And Travis Brandon is doing an excellent job of, you know, staying in the work, staying on top of that. So, um, yeah, we'll just see how it is moving forward. It just depends on how our subscribers uh, relate to it and what we can do with it long term. Yeah, that, that that's very interesting. That's changing. You know, recruiting hasn't changed that much since 247 came along and 211 rivals a few years earlier, 
scout and it, which obviously is now part of two two four seven or bought out and even ESPN in two thousand seven. Like the landscape of the recruiting hasn't changed that much. You know, the top guys go to the schools they want. <laughs> you know, top you know fifty to one seventy five have good offers. Two hundred to two five hundred's gotta find the right mid major and then the rest fill in. Like this is totally changed now. Like like you said, that's a good point you made. I didn't know really. Like the high, the fans just care which players they get. They don't care if they come from another college, from from another planet. It's like who are we right. getting that's really good. So that's a good point, Brandon. I that that's a good point for our listeners to know. And and back to um, you know the a- anticipation of the live period. Um, have you noticed any changes in the recruiting of the kids you talk outside now? Obviously, the very elites, the guys who are going to be McDonald's All Americans in twenty three, they're they're getting recruited the same as the over there. But have you ever? Have you noticed, like, when kids talk about their offers or who's calling them, are are they getting the truth? Are they getting like, are they are they just being overly optimistic? Because you're from your end, you being experienced, you're like, wait a minute, I don't know if this kid's gonna get recruited at that level at the end of the day. You know, have you seen any difference so far going into this first live period? I think uh, I see it from both sides. Some of them yeah. know what's going on, and they're very, yeah. uh, what's the word, very upfront about it. You know, they mm-hmm. don't mind telling me what's real. But yeah. some some of these kids, they just don't know. Like they just don't know, like the offer that they had probably their freshman year probably hasn't probably expired and they just don't know. They're still thinking that they're getting recruited. I mean, and we've seen that in years past. Um, I'll tell you one thing. I think the biggest difference is, uh, you know, just the talent level, what COVID has did, what how it's affected the talent level, especially in the class of the 23 and 24. Um, and how, you know, in some cases it probably doesn't match you know, the, the level of where they're getting recruited just because of like how the <clears throat> is, you know, you, you're seeing kind of guys that you're used to seeing as like mid-major guys kind of entertain a high major recruitment. Um, and I think it all goes back. It all goes back to that transfer portal. Um, sure. and it all, it just, I, I think it's just a whole in the world of recruiting is just the level of uncertainty just because of what has happened due to right. the NCAA changing the transfer rule and due to COVID. So, um, yeah, we're just seeing a lot of unusual things, and I think the live period will get things back to normal when coaches get a chance to see these kids for, you know, a couple of weeks and get a chance to get a feel for who they are as prospects and which way they want to lean, whether it be Porter or high school. Do you think <clears> – you <throat> spoke about that. So, well, we'll have about, what, four or five weeks in the live period? Do you think – how the coaches think right now? Because uh, you made a good point. They're, they'll get a couple of weeks to see them, but how, seeing how these coaches think of – going older do you think seeing high school kids more is going to help where they may try to nitpick more or do you think it's just like going to expose them like okay like warm them up to the idea uh definitely there'll be some nitpicking because at the end of the day these coaches want to get their yeah uh, get their evals perfectly correct so they can you know maintain their job and make sure that the program is winning um but also i mean i i think it'll provide an opportunity for them to realize like yo like this is a kid that we could bring into our program and groom. Now, here's the problem. The transfer portal, it all goes back to the transfer portal because will that kid have the mentality like, hey, can I buy in for two? Maybe I won't play the first two years. Can I buy into that? You know, for some of these kids, that's that's an opportunity that they probably should take, you know, being able to go to a school, buy in, and then be the best player that can be for their final seasons of college basketball. But, um, you know, you just don't know because it plays with the college coach's mental if a kid is going to stick or not. So, like I said, it's a level of uncertainty. Um, so you kind of f- can factor in both, Arnie. Yeah. Um, Brandon, you know, talking to the coaches recently is leading up to the to the after the final four and guess where they get gear up for this week weekend. 
Um, some have verified to us that at least one staff member, maybe even two, is going to stay back on camp campus for portal visits. You know, what what are you hearing about that? How do you think that's going to affect strategy of where where they go? Obviously, they're not going to focus much on 15 or 16 U at all, as maybe if they were a little bit before. <laughs> How do you think that's going to affect this just this overall strategy for these colleges, especially for the non-blue bloods or the guys who are not just getting whatever they want? Only a, you have to have a specific type of budget to focus on those 15s and 16 U's. <laughs> um, but nah, it's smart. It's smart because you, at the end of the day, you got to get those players. You got got to get those players committed. You got to get the job done. So yeah. Um, and I think it's a big plus because kids tend to vibe with assistant coaches more than the head coaches. You see that on a on a recruiting – that's the recruiting standard. You see that from time to time. When you ask a kid who's mainly recruiting them, you hear the assistant coach. They have that relationship with that. So I think right. it's very important for them to stay there. Um, honestly, that's just news to me, but it's something that you have to do. I mean, yeah. people want to get older and to the point where they can, like, get, a, get kids to buy into their system. So um, – you know, it's a plus. It's a plus. And I think as an assistant coach, which better way would you have? Would you rather travel and go evaluate kids uh, throughout the day or would you have rather take care of two or three official visits um, yeah. and endorse your school and try to get something done on the dot? So um, yeah. it's an advantage and I think it's well worth it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you're, you're right on that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the the pressure. Like you said, you know, there's a little bit less emphasis on recruiting deeper into the high school uh, pool of <laughs> players. Uh, you know, do you feel that that's even created more pressure on the parents and the club coaches to find the right fits? And then do you think that the the parents are getting the message like, yo, you got to be realistic. Like you said, Ani said before you came on, sometimes some of these guys are going to have to look at junior college, NAIA. Do you, do you feel that? I know the media is getting the, the message out there, as you said, when you first came on. But do you think the parents are actually – taking it in and understanding it. I don't even tell you the parents are not doing that. Um, <laughs> I, I can't speak for all that. That's bad. That's you ain't lying. Bad. You ain't lying. <laughs> you ain't lying at all. You get it, that been through it. Yeah. But man, man, these parents, man, it, 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 we try. As media, Correct. we try. Because at the end of the day, I don't think any media member wants to see a kid do bad. Correct. Um, but – Yes, it does create a lot of pressure. I mean, you have to find an AU program that will put you in the right position um, to succeed and that will endorse you to do such. Um, and, you know, for the kid itself, I, I, you know, the thing that I think about is their mental when it comes to, you know, especially the the fringe low major kid, maybe even the fringe D2 kid who's trying to get a scholarship, just trying to get a scholarship. I mean, you have to be on your P's and Q's making open shots, guarding the ball. If you're a big rebound, like there's no room for error. There's right. no room for error. Yeah. And it's just on them to make sure that their mind is right. Um, and it's on the parents to, you know, have a clear scope of, hey, like, you know, this is this is the chance. And if we don't get this, um, it's all about perseverance. But, like, you know, nobody wants to – in this day and age, nobody wants to accept responsibility. And that's the thing. Yeah. And so, you know, and we know that. But we, we still try – all you can do is just still try to give them, you know, the nuggets that they need just to be successful. But, no, like – yeah, it, gets, it puts a lot of pressure on the kids, and, you know, most yeah. of these parents don't listen. So, I mean, it's a tricky slope, tricky situation, but, you know, at the end of the day, things will work itself out, and they'll hit reality at some point. Yeah, and that makes a good point. They got to hit reality as soon as possible, especially with what's going on. You yeah. hope that happens sooner than later. Like you said, I think it's still going to happen late for some people. Um, you know, do you think, like, at a lower level, Brandon, 
like low major, you can't really hide a good, really good player anymore. Like, man, we got a good player because he's going to have a good freshman year, maybe be <laughs> conference freshman of the year or all conference. Well, he's going to be in the portal. Absolutely. So do you think that it makes sense for a college, a lower level? And I talked, I asked different coaches this weekend and they had different opinions that say, Hey, we don't, Brandon, we don't mind having you in our program. We think you're a hell of a steal at where you're ranked or where you're at. We'll help you leave to a power five school, but we want you to do well for a year or two here. And we, you know, we know we might lose you. Do you think that's a realistic thing for low majors in the future? Or do you think that's a bad recruiting strategy? I mean, yeah. it's so crazy that you mentioned it because I, yeah. I was starting to say when that transfer rule dropped, I was telling everybody around me, I mean, man, low majors, D2s, they're going to start turning into JUCOs. Hey, man, I can get you to do this and I can send you up there. Like, Correct. It's, it's nuts. Um, I, you know, I guess it just depends on who you are. If you're the head coach, I wouldn't recruit like that. Um, you know, your yeah. your main goal is to focus on winning and not short-term production. If you're an assistant coach looking to get a bump up, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, got so -so here. I, I got that eye. I know what I can do, and it translates to the high major level. So it just depends on who you are. But, sure. you know, at the end of the day, um, looking back at everything that has taken place over the past couple of years, you know, you know, I can see why the NCAA had that rule in place. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be because kids deserve the freedom to go wherever they are. But, you know, just as fat as the portal is getting, I mean, it just it makes me wonder if we're going away from, you know, teaching kids how to persevere. Um, sure. Because when you get into the real world, you can transfer jobs. You know what I mean? Like somebody needs to pay that light bill. So, right. um, you know, that's just my biggest my biggest scare. But, you know, it just depends on who you are. Um, in terms of from a coaching perspective. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, Ryan, that was a great question. I have a comment on that. Like, I know mid-majors that are doing that right now. Like, uh, that are saying, hey, <laughs> you know, man, just come over here. I know we're above your level, but just do this for you. You go high major. Instead of going there, maybe not playing. Um, but, you know, but, and I'm not going to say the school, but the kid that they told that to went to a high major, now he's in the portal. And now he's going. He's going to go to mid major. Mid major. So, in reality, he was going to put numbers at that school. Like it was no doubt about it. But they said, "Man, just do a year, and you'll and you'll you'll transfer up." And honestly, like Brandon said, it's it's hard because when you tell a kid that, now his mind. Obviously, the kids have their own agendas and their whole their own goals. Sure. But everything you try to do within the team, you know, make sure the team right. goals are yeah. fulfilled. But once you tell the kid, do one year. And then transfer up like me, especially when I was 20 years old or 19. Yeah. Like, bro, I'm just, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm looking at the stat sheet every day. Like, yeah. You know, I'm not caring about the wins and losses because I know, because my mind, I'm only here for a year. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's the thing that the, the yeah. key point to that, that I took away was the kids' mindset. And it just makes me wonder how often like do us as like media guys, as people in the scouting room who talk to college coaches and who endorse these kids, how often we think about like the mindset of our actions and how it affects a kid um, sure. or the mindset that a coach has on a kid. Um, you know, I, I talk about this all the time, um, you know, with rankings, with national rankings, it's all like most of it, a lot of it is about projecting. You know, we're projecting kids and we see these kids with a lot of upside, the length, the size and everything like that. And we give them a ranking, but in their mind, they think, oh, man, I was productive enough to achieve this ranking. I'm What I'm doing is right. Maybe yeah. I'm good. I don't have to get better. You know, so it, it, right. I mean, like, it's, it, it, it's a tricky game. It is a tricky for game sure. in all sure. areas. Yeah. 
it's definitely gotten more tricky, like you said, in the last 18 months or since since COVID. Um, you know, you know, coaches, Brandon, regardless, if they're not in on a player, like if they don't know a little something about the player, have some kind of relationship with the AU coach or the parent, they're not going to get them on the bounce back. So they're still going to have to recruit high school players, even though they're not offering them scholarships maybe or bringing them in, because they're going to feel like we're going to get – 30 or 40% of our roster from bounce back. So, Absolutely. you know, and there's very little chance of them getting in the portal if they don't have some kind of relationship. So how do you think the portal is going to affect that industry and, and affect like what college coaches are, are, you know, kind of reaching out to you and other guys at 247 and other media guys? Like, do you think it's going to change or it's still, they were still going to want to know, like, you know, go by the rankings, go by, you know, their projections, or is that going to be totally out the door and things are going to change? Oh, no, it's definitely not going to be out the door because um, yeah. it kind of ties, ties back to how you loaded up that question. Um, yeah. These coaches are recruiting for the bounce back. Um, Correct. Because at the end of the day, you can't go into the portal and recruit somebody who, and at the end of the day, we all know there's a plug to each player. Each player Correct. has a plug. Who do I have to go through to get to this kid? You can't yeah. go try to recruit a kid all blindly and sure. restart a new relationship because by that time it's already too late. Like that kid in his mind knows who he had relationships with prior and he's going to value those. And like, as soon as they reach out, they'll probably be done. So um, you're going to see a lot of schools recruiting talented kids for the bounce back. Um, You've got, and y'all too probably already seen it. Um, So, I mean, I I just think that your question just ties into the back because coaches don't want to be late. So yes, rankings will still, will still play a huge factor. Correct. Yeah. The, the, The regular stuff we've seen prior will still play a huge factor. Right. Yeah. And they just, to me, it seems like they need to recruit more players because they're going to have to get them on the belts back. Right. It's like you're sliding in the DMs. Just keep, yeah. just keep sliding, keep shooting your shot. You know what and I you're mean? You're going to have to keep, like you said, keep shooting your shot because you don't know where they're going to end up in a year or two. It's, it's definitely changed a lot. So uh, go ahead, Rod. No, it's just, you know, but what's also interesting um, is more of a comment slash questions like, Brandon, what do you take of these teams that have lost? Obviously, LSU with Will Wade being out, they have like eleven guys that are gone. But like, there's 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 programs that are got to replace like six, seven, eight dudes. Um, you know, what's your take on that? I know a lot heavy on portal, but you know those those portal kids because we had uh, Justin Young on the show from Hoop Scene, and mm-hmm. he talked about how he felt that uh, tra- tra- portal kids are more stop gaps, stop gaps. You know, not all of them, but like more like they're not the solution, right? So, like in a situation where you have six, seven, eight scholarships in these situation, what's your take on on that? And do you think okay, in a situation like that, they need to take more portal kids, or what's your thoughts? My thing with that. So he said he called it stop gaps. Yeah, no. like that. They're not. They're not like. Basically. Go ahead. Ani, I'm gonna... No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think he's saying like if the because they have synergy and they have good stats unlike some high school stuff that's a little could be a little not true or a little not as good relative he's saying if the guy averaged four points at weber state he's gonna average close to that at the next school because it's a little bit more like concrete like that's who he is right you know so that's we're saying like it's gonna fill a little role like you're not gonna get a player who's averaging four points at weber state who's gonna average 18 at texas just because you got him out of the portal that's right. kind of what he was referring to. That makes sense. Um, yeah. Well, I think the, the way that I look at it is, um, especially with schools looking to fill roster spots due to coaching changes, um, yeah. LSU is in a lucky situation because they're LSU. 
I mean, any who wouldn't want to go to LSU? But like, let's just make it like a like a normal school. Um, I don't even know who's Butler. Probably Butler might yeah. might have a um, might have an overhaul. But when you think of things, situations like that, it's not just about hitting the portal to find guys, even though you need to fill that role. You know, if I'm a coach, I'm hitting it with the agenda of finding guys in the portal who have years of eligibility where they can learn how to buy into a system. And then I'm also hitting that, hitting the high school scene to get guys who fit what we want to do and then combining both. And that's when you have like your initial year, your initial year, you probably struggle, but then you keep building upon, you keep building because there's only, you can only go up. So you're only building upon success and success. Everybody hits the portal to get older, but I think it's all about getting older within the same concept of system. So when y'all, gain comfort with each other it leads to wins um so I think that's the way that coaches need to approach it in that situation but then again like desperate times seek for desperate measures and if you need to fill a roster man just get as many people as you can so it's just timing and situations but like for that like just a generic situation what I would do and how I would handle it if I was a coach it's all about buying into your system and getting players who are willing to do that gotcha well, Brandon, we appreciate your insight. Absolutely. We appreciate you coming on. And, yeah, you made some great points. And we're sure we'll see you on the trail. But, yeah, we, we, we appreciate that. And it's going to be a crazy spring. Obviously, the first spring in a couple of years. I, I know you're – where are you going to be at? Let people know where you're going to be at so they can follow your content. Where are you going to be at uh, 8 through the 10th and then the 20 – what is that, 22nd to the 24th? Correct. Uh, yeah, for the 8th through the 10th, I'll be in Indianapolis covering the Under Armour Association. So okay. um, look forward to, you know, recruiting updates and event recaps from there. And then two weeks later, I'm covering the high and mighty Nike UIBL um, to get a look at a lot of the top basketball players in the country. Um, so event updates, recaps from that as well. And you can all follow it at bjenkins247 on Twitter. Appreciate it. All right, Brandon. Appreciate you jumping on. Thanks, Thanks for your Brian. time. Appreciate y'all. Take care. So yeah, you know, Brandon's gonna be, I guess, in Indy two straight week, two, two, yeah. <laughs> two one week and then going back off and then going back. So yeah, man, he made some good points about just you're getting a player from the portal. He's older. He already he's a little more set in his ways than I think a 17 or 18 year old. Like he's gonna have to buy into your team. Right. Or else you're just gonna have a bunch of guys with a bunch of agendas that are okay. Now you got seasoned guys where they all got their agendas. That's the <laughs> right. thing I've I'm a little uh, would be concerned if I had to fill six spots, seven spots from the portal. That's one thing I do like about the high school players. You can mold them a little more, you know, mm-hmm. Again, some people would say bullshit them a little more, but you mold them a little bit more, you know, right. and if they, they fit, if they can play, you know, they, if they can play, they, they, uh, they'll, they'll help you. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a lot to untangle and we still have a little bit more to talk about that. I think, um, I think the one main thing I got from our conversation between me and you and between us three is behavior and background are more important than ever. Right. I think uh, you don't have time as a high school player to goof around. Why? I can get a college player that is better than you and he's a goof off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's going to be some players with suspectable or shady characters in the portal while they're in high school. There's some in high school. So, they're going to ask more about that. I think they have been asking me and other scouts more about that. What do you know about this player, especially what was he like in high school? Because that's what a a college coach has asked me, uh, Ani, is like, what was he like in high school? Even they're getting him out of the portal, they still want to know that background. Do you get that a little bit too? Hey, what what happened there? You know, why did he go here? What 
Do you get that as well? Yeah, I've been getting that a decent amount. It's like, hey, so tell me about the kid. Is he a worker or, yeah. um, you know, is there any character issues or, sure. you know, along the line of that, I was like, what motivates him? Or, you know, can he buy in? A lot of that is like, you know, Brandon was talking about, like you said, like, will he be able to buy in uh, sure. to what to what they do? And a lot of that, you know, that's really where the questions stem from. Because like you said, they have synergy. You know, they'll ask how good we, you know, they think we think they are. But they kind of have a general idea because they can watch about hundreds of clips on synergy, right? <laughs> it's way different than high school. And again, high school, some prospects and some organizations do have good video uh, scouting, you know, uh, applications and others don't have anything. So, you know, don't have anything very good, but it's way different with a guy in the portal. They know his stats backwards and forwards. They know what he's like in situations, right? They know what he's like in a half court. They know what he's like on right side of the court, left side of the court. <laughs> they got it broken down from synergy and other, other things like that. So like you said, they're more asking about his background, what he was like and things of that nature. So and that's going to keep happening. And obviously, they're going to do their own diligence. So uh, that that's going to be important. Uh, Ani, I think getting solid advice about choosing the travel team, as we talked about with Brandon, is, is good. What do you like about the college? You know, why are you going to that school? How did you break that down? How did you break the five or six schools you're really looking at? You can't mm-hmm. play with all these schools. I know we like the Instagram posts. I <laughs> shout out to my guy, Tipton Edits. They People love the... The top ten, the top five, but like right. you're gonna have to be more serious about it going forward. Yeah, I I agree. And even when guys post like a top ten, you know, these coaches look at them a little crazy now. Like not all of them, obviously, like the top twenty five guys, they can do yeah. whatever the hell. They but can do like, they want. yeah, you know. But if you're like a one fifty or you know one hundred up, and you have like your top ten, like just it doesn't. You're not helping yourself. No, no. And honestly, you know. What I've noticed is that these kids that put out a top five, if another kid that has the same scholarship as you sees that you have that school in the top five, they may take that school before you do. You know, like if you have SMU, Tech, Baylor as your top three, like let's say you post that. And then a kid, you know, he wants to go to SMU, right? Well, before you figure out you want to go to SMU, that kid commits so you don't take that. So you don't you know, but he hasn't put out his. So sometimes even putting at your top schools may hurt you. <laughs> yeah, especially if you have a wide net and you're just doing it for Instagram, if you're doing it for the attention. Like if you have a serious top four or three, like narrow it down, you know, right. communicate, tell the coaches, thank you. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going this way. I'm, I'm down to these schools because you're right. It's the competition is tougher than ever. People don't want to waste time. You, if you have a legitimate offer, and like you said, you and Brandon said, if you're not in the 150, you better take it. Yes. If you're not a top guy, you better take it. I do want to say something a little different too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little. I'm going to go on a little rant because I, I want hey. to. <laughs> Ron <and> rant. <laughs> yeah, because these top 25 guys, I, I yes, if you have a profile, well, let's say it's an Instagram or Twitter, do put your information on there. Do Put your proper name, your proper spelling. You know, I I, I like the Isolani, but like if, if you were getting recruited, I want to see your real name, you know? Absolutely. But if you're a top 25, quit telling these top 50 guys that they have to do all this. Like, quit saying that. Like, if you're a McDonald, like, your, your, your problems obviously can't be, you know, greater than your ability. But like, like you said, I, I, I just, 
sometimes I think, and Brandon made a good point against Brandon's a younger guy. So it's a good perspective to get. Obviously we talk to different people on this podcast, but like we forget on sometimes that we were 17 years old. So it's hard to listen or do it exactly right. Like you want to, there's information out there. There's a lot of people that can give you good information. Right. But sometimes I think forget as media members, we forget that like we were 17 one time too. We do goofy things. So if you're in the top 25, enjoy it, get better, and do what the hell you want on Twitter. And <laughs> enjoy yourself. You know, like enjoy your life a little bit. Right. I think like said, if you're not getting recruited, if you're not in the top 200, yeah, you want to be a little bit more on straight and narrow because your your options are limited going forward. I just hate to say you're not being talked about as much as you were five years ago. For sure. No, absolutely. Um, but you said, like, top 25 guys, they can be more loose on social media. Now, you don't want to just be nuts. That's but they, right. they can be more loose. I mean, you're they can, and, and, you know, those top 25 guys, it's it's good for them to be loose because there's a lot of pressure on them anyways. Like, you know, you know, them. talking to guys like Keontae George and Case, and, like, I've, I've asked them, like, what do you do to get away from – like all this, because it's every day. It's like a text. I mean, you from multiple. It could be from agents, from this and that, people, you know, family members that come out the blue. You know, sure, it, sure. so giving them some type of avenue for them to escape a little bit and have some fun, I think, is much needed. Correct for the top twenty-five, top fifty. Because yeah, they're getting hit up on goofy nil deals. Right, this cool for this. Yeah, they need an, an outlet. So I, I just think as a me as a media member, sometimes we forget we were seventeen. Ani, if everything me and my buddies did at seventeen and eighteen were all on plastered on IG live, you know, it, we'd look just as dumb as it, or silly as they are telling Watch. them all this stuff. You know, same thing with some of the people older than me, especially my age and older. Like, there's a lot of wild shit we was going on <laughs> back before cell phones were good. Like, we didn't even have a cell phone. So again, so we don't want to put down kid we're not here to we're just here to tell them to be realistic enjoy themselves right be serious about which college you want to go to do your homework on which college you want to go to um and, and i'll make a few more points and as we're going to wrap up because we want to keep it tight we still have to mention a few things but um there's going to be turnover you know um so so what you do to value most and don't expect to project what the team's going to be like from from three years you know what do you value the most in the college and and that staff that you're looking at and and the the roster don't don't you can't project what a college roster is going to be like three years from now no more right that's another disadvantage you have as an incoming player you don't know what that college's roster is going to look like in two to three years especially three years out and you have four years of eligibility you, you right. don't so you're going to have to be I guess call it, I call it a good selfish. Look out for yourself, but also communicate honestly. Uh, you know, do your homework on the college. And this is one point before we again we could talk about the portal for hours and hours. I mean, we really can. But here's what I want every parent and everybody listening to this pod to, to get is get advice from someone who won't benefit if you make it. If you make it to the NBA and make a lot of money, they won't benefit. And also get advice from somebody who won't be hurt if you don't. You got to remember, if you get advice from somebody who has some vested interest in you, he's going to, and it affects his or her life if you make it or don't, they're not giving you non-emotional advice. Right. Correct? Right. So, like, let's say you mentioned Casey Wallace 
and, and Keontae George. I'll be honest right here on this spot. Doesn't matter if they make they make it if I if they make it for me or if they don't. It's right. not gonna affect my livelihood, my wallet. So that's why I would be honest with them if they ever ask me things, right? And same thing is on 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 the flip side. Um, if they make it, I won't benefit, and I won't be hurt if they if they don't. You know what I mean? So get advice once in a while from those type of people that have been in the industry or have been in basketball that can give you just some square solid advice that is not emotionally invested either way, whether you make it or not. Right. <clears throat> no, 100%. That's a great point. Like the yeah. people that don't have any vested interest in, in, in the situation. I mean, yeah. they're going to give you the most truer <laughs> of uh, advice and most unfiltered because at the end of the day, like yeah. my money's going to, your money's going to be the same regardless. And that's, that's a hell of a point. You yeah, know. I try to say that as much as I can when I speak sometimes like at camps or a Pangos camp or something like you need to find somebody that you trust that doesn't benefit if you make it and doesn't get hurt if you don't. Right. It, it, their life is the same. Right. Because your parents are great and they're your number one resource. They know you the best, but they, they got some emotional tie to that. And as Brandon said, they don't listen. They're not listening. <laughs> they just no. they're so they're so mostly tied to you. They believe the best in you. But well, of course they should believe in the best in you because they brought you on this earth and, and and they can take you out if they, if they exactly you know they, they, will take, they're the ones who can correct you with the most authority so you know that it's it's a it's a tough situation and it's it's exciting and it's great but it's just the landscape and the reality of it has changed you know, uh, there's, no. There's, there's no doubt about it so as we switch gears here did you want to make any last point on, on the portal and kind of or we offer some advice to the listeners Ani I know we've gone over a lot of points and you know, we'll keep talking about this as the spring and summer go along and see what it transpires. Obviously, we're going to talk about good players, but we're going to talk about the landscape, too. Yeah, no, I mean, kind of similar to what you said, but just guys just and what we talked about, just yeah. look at the legitimate offers that you guys that, you know, these yeah. 22s, these 23s that y'all have. And, you know, you're going to have to make quicker decisions. And, yeah. you know, uh, you got to love who loves you. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're chasing something. It's like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go get a, try to get a girl or a woman that doesn't like me, that doesn't <laughs> want, want me there. Or at some point she's like, all right, I'll take you out on a day because I'm just tired of you, you know. Tired of you bothering her up. Yeah. yeah, but it's like there's no va- – I don't think there's real good value in that. And same thing with just players. I mean, just go love, love who loves you yeah. because that's You're- going to help your career down the road more so yeah. than just – you know, trying to chase something that doesn't want you. <laughs> chase some, some level or some school that doesn't doesn't right. really want you. So, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, be realistic. So I wanted to give a shout-out to our girl, Chelsea. Yes, yeah, uh, right. Chelsea comes on as a guest host. You know, obviously, she's one of our hosts once in a while. She was right on the money. With, she, she Last week, she predicted uh, South Carolina and Don State to win the title, and they did. You know, uh, they they won the title. I believe that was on Sunday night. Yeah, and they sixty four forty nine over UConn. I didn't really. I kind of knew this, but I didn't really know this off the bat. Ani, like, I know Gino Armani had won eleven titles. I really didn't know he was eleven and zero in title games. Like, oh wow! Wow. Maybe I should if, if I ever go gamble, maybe I should tell Chelsea to lay it down for me, you know, lay down my bet because right, right. Because she was spot on. She was spot on. So, you know, uh they won the title. Uh Don Staley's now two and oh. They won in two 
217 after UConn had won. I believe that was four straight. You know, so mm-hmm. they, you know, she they let her. I think they went wire to wire. Uh, number one, South Carolina, Leah Boston, the junior, National Player of the Year, 30th double-double of the season, 11.16 rebounds. She was the MOP of the Final Four. We didn't really talk much about Kansas' players. Why don't you tell me who were the Kansas the Kansas MOP? And, you know, we should ch- We didn't really shout out Kansas. We talked a little bit about Oh, yeah, they got the Ocho Bazi, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was the MOP. We didn't say too much to him, but, re- I mean, he really had a great tournament and a great season. Yeah, I mean, shooting like over 40% from three this season. I mean, he's made the biggest, one of the biggest leaps as a player, uh, you know, from the year before to now. Uh, Ocha has just been fantastic. And, you know, he's going to probably be a first-round draft pick. Uh, You know, just really shoots it, really took much of a lead. I remember his freshman year, just seeing him now, talking about guys that, high school guys you take in that uh, commit to the culture and and, and the and the, the team identity and, you know, seeing a guy like him just had a fantastic tournament, led him. Uh, I know the North Carolina game was a little goofy. You know, I know he was just really trying to find his points, but I thought he tried to impact the game in other ways. Uh, yeah. I think he's been a fantastic tournament, fantastic season. Yeah. yeah shout out to him uh, for winning MOP. Shout out to Don Staley. Shout out to our girl Chelsea. Shout out to Brandon Jenkins for coming on the pod and, you know, making this another episode. I mean, you know, we really – Appreciate people listening to this, into this episode. It's a very important episode. Again, is we're gonna have a spring live period for the first time in you know two years, and it's coming up fast. We still have one more week of high school basketball. Then Duncanville will be officially the Bat Fifty National Chance for twenty one twenty two. As we we kind of wrap up twenty one twenty two. Wanted to mention, you know, like I said, go to ballslife.com, Check out the rankings. Check out our latest stuff. Check out our other podcasts. Kicks of Your Life with Jordan McLaughlin. Noble and Rouge continues to bring in the uh, great guests. Unapologetic is ramping it back up with our girl Kia Stokes. Buckets and Breaks Downs always has a, a unique and nice view of things. So check those out on the Ball of Life Podcast Network. Again, thanks for listening in. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Uh, Ani, anything else out there, man? You know, Anything else to say before we we, we hit the road and, and hit the recruiting trail this spring? Uh, no, nah, nothing, man. Just shout out to our supporters. Keep supporting. Uh, yeah. Let's you know we 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 doing a great job over here. Let's we gonna keep building it. But man, shout out to our supporters. Shout out, shout out to our guests. You know, uh, yeah. you know that's that's all I gotta say. You know, we're gonna yeah. start ripping and running during the uh, our weekend is gonna be crazy. But uh, yeah, you know what we do. Yeah, exactly. So again, thanks for tuning in. To episode one twenty four of In the Paint Show. But for all those people we mentioned, thank you. And to all our, our listeners, thank you once again. But for now, me and Ronnie, and that's me and Ronnie. Me and Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie. <laughs> Take care. Bye.